Hello, everyone. Welcome to Celtic Preacher. It is podcast 206. What makes a person difficult to please? If you have these people in your life, they're kind of moody and critical. You know, what, what's going on with this? You know, why are some people so difficult? You know, in the sense that, and it's hard to be patient with complainers, isn't it? type of person that whatever you whatever you talk about there's always this sort of negative edge to everything whatever idea you put forward it's shot down or or you're corrected or they'll just straight out tell you that's not going to work or that's not a good idea or I don't want to do that or yeah difficult people well God has a way with working with people like this in fact there's a whole book in the Hebrew Bible, dedicated, really, <laughs> to how God works with complainers and critical people who never seem pleased about anything. And that book is called the book of Jonah. Yeah. Jonah, oh my goodness, what a hard-to-please man. Uh, Jonah, reluctant, moody, angry. Uh, he was a prophet, which means that he spoke on behalf of God. Now, sometimes prophets would speak and tell you things that would happen in the future. But oftentimes they would speak a timely word. I mean, if there were good prophets, they would, they would speak out, as they do today, actually, uh, they would speak out a, a timely word for the moment. You know, what God was saying or doing or what God was up to in a particular situation. Well, Jonah's a very reluctant, moody, angry prophet. And uh, yeah, when, when God asks him to do one thing, he basically runs in the opposite direction. So when you look at the book of Jonah, which is very short, it's actually something that you could easily read through. Actually, it's a good book to read. It's two or three chapters. It's humorous. It's uh, exaggerated and... Uh, it's just a satirical, a uh, lot of irony. It's a great narrative. And Jonah is, <laughs> it's, it's almost like you don't want to be like this. Yeah. It's like, take a lesson from Jonah. Don't be like this. And of course, the whole thing is, it's not really about Jonah. It's about the Jonah in all of us. Because, you know, when you see these sort of critical characters in Scripture, when you see the moody ones or the bad-tempered ones or the hard-to-please ones, you know, it doesn't really take long before you kind of figure out, oh, this is maybe more, this is more, more than just a story about Jonah. This is how people are, and this is how God is. So today we're going to be looking at Jonah. And as I said, you know, when God asked him to go and speak to the Ninevites, he basically ran in the opposite direction. So that's something we'll consider today. This whole business about running away, avoidance, you know, very common the very thing that we should be moving toward is often the thing that we avoid. 
You know, we can run away from so many different things. You know, for example, a really common one is we can let fear get the better of us. And we can let fear get the better of us and be afraid to make any changes. So we might have an inclination that, you know, it would be good to make a change here, but we don't want to do it because we're scared. So we avoid it. Or we can keep making the same mistake over and over and over again. We can react in the same way over and over again because it just takes too much effort to change or it takes too much commitment. And so we avoid it. We just put it to the back of our mind, try and forget about it, avoid it. Yeah, we can run away from so many different things. We can allow our reactions to people and events run our lives rather than, than stopping and stepping back and becoming more self-aware. Because it's hard. That's why we often avoid these things, right? Spiritual work is hard. Emotional work is, is difficult. Becoming more self-aware to what or whom we avoid, yeah, that's hard. Although it's the first step in gaining freedom, it's not necessarily easy. So, yeah, like I said, Jonah was a master avoider. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of his story today. Uh, most of it, actually. And uh, I think you'll see very quickly where the story is going and uh, see yourselves in it, too. So the story begins with God saying to Jonah, he said, Jonah, up on your feet. I want you to get into that big city. I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach to them. They're in a bad way. I can't ignore it any longer. Go speak to them. And Jonah runs. Like I told you, he runs in the opposite direction. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He has no intentions of going to Nineveh. And at this front end in the story, we're, we're not really told why he doesn't want to go, but we find out later he doesn't like them. He thinks they're horrible. He uh, doesn't want anything to do with them. And so he, he's thinking, I'm not, I'm not going to go to Nineveh and talk to them. I'm not interested in them. I, I don't really care about them. So he goes in the opposite direction. God impresses upon Jonah this task that needs to be done. And instead, Jonah goes to the port city of Joppa, jumps on a ship, pays his fare, and sails in the opposite direction. Now, this is not good, right? He's a prophet, meaning, meaning his whole job is to speak for God. But right at the beginning of the story, we see him as a reluctant prophet. It's like, I don't want to do that. So he re he's resisting right away. I don't want to do it. And throughout the entire story, you'll notice this pattern about Jonah. He's always running away. He's always resisting. He's always complaining. He's always trying to get out the task that he's supposed to do. Uh, but the interesting thing is, is that God keeps pursuing him. That's what's even more interesting. So the first thing that happens is that Jonah gets onto this boat and sails in the opposite direction. 
to try and get away from God, like you could when you think about it. You know, it's crazy. But anyway, he's on the boat and God sends a massive storm, and it's a huge one, is big enough to capsize the boat. So this storm sent by God threatens to capsize the boat, and Jonah admits to the passengers, "You look, here, here's the deal. It's my fault this is happening. It's my fault. We're in this mess. I'm running from God, so why don't you just throw me overboard, and then at least you'll be saved yourself. So he's thrown overboard, and as soon as he's over into the water, God sends this massive, still pursuing, by the way, this is God still pursuing, God sends this massive fish to swallow Jonah. So there we have, there's a nice pattern there. We have him running away, and then we have God pursuing, sending the storm, And then we have God pursuing again, sending the fish. And then after three days and nights in the stinky fish belly, we have God again commanding the fish to vomit Jonah up onto the beach. So there he is on the beach, not happy, not happy. But... He's had plenty of time to have a little, little think to himself, right? Three days and three nights in a fish belly. Will he be more open? Will he be a little bit more flexible? Will he be willing to do what he knows he should do? Well, a, a, a little bit, not too much. Not too much, but again, God comes to him and says, look, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go and tell them to turn to me, or they're going to be wiped out. So it's surprising how a little bit of suffering can change someone. Not too much for Jonah, but enough to get him actually to go to Nineveh. So he gets there. He puts no preparation at all into his sermon. In fact, in the Hebrew scripture, it's five words. And all he says is, in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. That's it. End of story. Nothing else. Not another thing. In 40 days, Nineveh Nineveh will be destroyed. See, he doesn't like them, and he doesn't really care whether they're going to be destroyed or not, right? In fact, it would make him very happy if they were destroyed. So, puts nothing into it at all. Well, lo and behold, the king of Nineveh responds immediately Absolutely immediately. And he says, sackcloth and ashes for everyone. And yeah, that includes the animals. Oh, the animals? You want to put the sackcloth and the ashes on the animal? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're sorry too. We're all really, really, really sorry. And everyone is going to fast. And that includes the animals too. Everyone. Everyone's to stop doing evil. And maybe, maybe, just maybe we won't die. So quick, the king says. Everyone has to ask for mercy. So there they all are. Everybody's got their burlap on. Everybody's got their sackcloth and their ashes and they're all doing what they would do in the ancient times when they're begging for mercy, including the animals, of course, right? Can't forget the animals. 
And God sees this and says, okay, you know what? I'm going to have mercy on them all. Okay, they're not going to be destroyed. I see what they're doing. I'm going to have mercy on them all. Well, Jonah was absolutely furious at this. Absolutely furious, he said. This is exactly why I didn't want to come here in the first place. He says, I knew this would happen. I knew that you were just all grace and mercy. And they don't deserve it. They're, they're evil people. Uh, uh, sickening the way that you are. This is, this is Jonah talking to God. It's also infuriating. It's, I, I just wish I could die. I'm just so annoyed. This is how he is. Yeah, you know, it's this whole idea. Nothing worse than something good happening to someone who doesn't deserve it, right? And Jonah's thinking, these Ninevites are just getting away with it. You know, they're bad people. And they're getting away with it. And of course, things are not going according to Jonah's plan. It's all wrong, according to Jonah. The whole thing's wrong according to Jonah. Of course, this is one of the, so this is another theme I think that runs through this book is, is it's all about Jonah and what he thinks. And he's not the least bit concerned about anyone else. And he's not the least bit concerned about God, right? It's all about what he wants to do. And, you know, I think herein lies the problem with Jonah. He's basically set himself up as the judge. He knows what's best. He knows what to do. He knows who's right and who's wrong. He can judge the motives of every heart, right? He knows what's best for other people. But, you know, when you look at Jonah, he has actually very, very little interest in learning anything new. It's very, very little interest in following God's ways because he's too busy thinking for God, Right? He's too busy thinking for God. He doesn't want to take direction. Now, that's a tricky problem if you're a prophet and you don't want to take direction, right? So the end of the story is, is that, of course, he's sulking, he's angry, he's moody because God's shown mercy to these nasty Ninevites. And so the story ends with God saying, Joel, let me ask you something here. He says, there's more than 120,000 people in that city. And they can't tell their right hand from their left hand, as well as the animals. Should I not be concerned? He says, you get to change your mind, Jonah. You're chopping and changing all the time. Don't I get to change my mind? It's like God's saying, what, what's the problem here, Jonah? You like it when I have patience with you. You like it when I give you second chance and third chance and fourth. You know, I'm always coming after you. You like it when, you know, you don't pay any attention to me at all, but you like it when I'm merciful to you. Is this how it is? We have these double standards. One for Jonah. And then another standard for those that Jonah doesn't like. Is that what you think about God? Is that how you're going to be? It's like, yeah, Jonah, the problem with judging is you're wrong. 
That's the big thing about judging. You're just wrong. Because you don't know. See, Jonah was kind of surprised that these Ninevites turned around so quickly. He was kind of taken aback by that. And it turns out that the people that he hated were a lot more open and responsive than he was, right? And God points that out to him. It's like, yeah, when I spoke to you, you didn't listen. You just ran away. I spoke to the Ninevites, they listened. Yeah, it's just something. It's an interesting story, isn't it? It's something to ponder. It's this, what do we avoid? What do we run away from? What do we, you know, not want to happen? And, you know, and it's in the sense that it would be good if I moved ahead here in this particular area. But I, I don't know. I mean, it would be good if I could just do whatever, fill in the blank. But I just can't face it. I just don't think I could do it. Well, why is that? Why is that? What is it that stops us from moving ahead and running away? Is it fear? Or is it something that would be humbling to do? See, I think for Jonah, uh, that would be a humbling thing to actually have to admit that he was wrong about those Ninevites. And yes, I suppose God can do whatever God needs to do with anyone, right? It'd be kind of humbling because he'd have to say he was wrong. And lots of times people have a lot of trouble admitting that they're just wrong. They judge the situation incorrectly. They judge people incorrectly, which is why Jesus spent so much time talking about this, you know, don't do this, don't go there, he would say. Why? Because you don't know what's going on inside someone's heart. I mean, we barely know what's going on inside our own hearts half the time. We don't even get our own motives right. You know, so it's like, what do we run away from? Would I need to be brave if I took this next step forward? Would it take me right out of my comfort zone? See, I think in order to get into the story, you have to think about who your, who your Ninevites are or what your Nineveh is, right? It's the place of avoidance we're talking about here, right? So if we're talking about Nineveh and we're talking about running away, we're talking about running away from that thing, that situation, that something that needs dealt with, but we just don't want to face it. And so we try and go in the opposite direction. But then you see, the thing is, is that God sends the storm or God sends the fish or, you know, there's always something that brings it to mind. There's always something that brings it back again to us because God just keeps relentlessly pursuing and repeating. Why? It's, it's always for healing. You know, it's always, it's always for healing. 
God always pursues and brings it back to our mind again and again. That, that area or that thing or that whatever it is that we run away from, we deny, we don't want to look at, we don't want to deal with. No? No, no, no. Then a storm will come, then a fish will come, then something will come because you can't really, we can't really run away, can we? We can't really... It's kind of, the whole story's crazy. How could he possibly jump on a boat to go to Joppa and get away from God? I mean, really, when you think about it, the whole thing is satirical. So something, something to consider, something to consider. It's like, God, yes, I don't want to be running in the wrong direction. If I have to be running, then help me to run toward you. Thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.